Murphy, the veteran, the sidestep, the banana, Mark Murphy! Might have no choice. It starts right, it swings back. What a goal! Hello and welcome back to the Unlucky Blues podcast. And boys, the band is back together. The three of us are here again and it's a good day. Two wins on the trot. Very stressful win against the Dockers. Oh, my heart was in my mouth for most of that second half, that's for sure, but we got over the line. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's going to be some interesting things to discuss today, I think. Tass, how are you? I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up and about. Woke up this morning, logged onto the computer, and I had a message from the boys' group chat at work that said, uh, Tass, you'd be happy this morning, and I'll go, hashtag 12 and 10, hashtag flag blues. <laughs> so we're up and about this Monday morning for the first time in a while. It was good to uh, get the donuts on the way out of the game as well, just to uh, top off the, the stellar evening that it was. Yeah, it's like that. It's amazing what two wins against two shit teams does to does to someone's <laughs> confidence, isn't it? You know, Adelaide average, Fremantle average, and here we are. We're we're, we're rowdy. We're, we're six points out of the eight. Like <laughs> it, it, the the fact of the matter is, we're not in the worst position possible. So you know, who knows what's going to go on? JB, how are you, mate? Oh, not bad. I'm. Just, yeah, I was going to say yeah. It's, it's we can't dare to dream, can we? We can't. Is it, you, but you're right, you say we're only six points out of the eight. It only makes those losses hurt even more. Because it's like last year. It was like last year as well. The, the ones you should have won, those easy games you dropped would have made it. We'd be, we'd be right in there and not six points away. But yeah, such an odd season because as bad as we believe we have been, we are actually very close from the eight and four points away from Richmond and we're equal on points with Essendon who are apparently the next best thing in since last bread, so, but, yeah, all in all, that, that game was very stressful, it, I feel a lot better knowing that siren, never, and it was never comfortable until the siren went, which was, I'm sure many else were, were, were like. Yeah, I'm going to put it, I'm going to say it how I saw it, and it's, it's quite a, it's quite a simple thing, football, Quite often we find ourselves on the receiving end of having to pull off a miraculous comeback. That's been the theme, of, a big theme of ours over the past sort of three, four years, I'd say. The roles were reversed. We got off to the big start. Frio had to push back and just fight back all game. They they fought very well. They got ahead at one stage, I think. Or yeah, they def- they did get ahead by a point. But yeah, it was the the scores were quite close for quite a while. But at the end of the day, all that chasing, they ran out of legs and Carlton were able to get a shit win. A shit win that we usually don't get. So, I mean, it's 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 good to see that we're finally doing something that good teams can actually do. Good teams can get really bad wins. Just, bad, just, bad teams don't. Or just like what everyone else does. Like everyone else can get those wins sometimes. Why couldn't we? And finally, we actually did manage to get at least one. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, it was really a game of... I, I was going to say game of two halves, but it was actually more a game of like one quarter and then three other quarters. Um, start, we'll start off with the first quarter and my gosh, did we start off like a house on fire. I could not believe what I was seeing. Paddy Dow, Matt Kennedy combination in the midfield, absolutely tearing it up. And going forward, we were looking for targets. I just I just couldn't believe it. It was... It was it, it sounds stupid that I'm so surprised by this, but it was just amazing to watch. Tuss? It was champagne football, mate. It was champagne football. <laughs> I've, you know, the, the one criticism we've had of Paddy Dow, not that we, we've been hammering Paddy because we've, we've always known he's had talent, but the one main criticism that he's been copying is the fact that he can't kick the football. Mate, this kid was taking it out of the pack, spotting up targets inside forward 50. Oh, I want to know what they've been feeding him for the past month because he's just a, he's a changed man. It's fantastic. He well, clearly always had the talent, just never was realised until well, now. Whatever it is, give it to Levi Casbolt as well. Um, at <laughs> a at a at a few others, but yeah, Paddy Dell was the one. It was a shame that he didn't actually end up getting his PB because he looked he was on track for it. I mean, living in the first half and or first quarter, sorry, and twenty three was his most. So you th- almost thought he was just gonna waltz right down onto that record, but um. Yeah, a lot of players had had they had decent games, and a lot of it, and most of it was down to just doing the simple things. Like Williamson, didn't have an amazing game, but he wasn't as terrible as he's been this year when he's played. And most of it was just down to doing the simple things, 
and not turning onto his right foot. And I'm sure there are other players that were like that, but the, the Williamson one does bring to mind. Just, just do the simple things. If you're in traffic, if you've got players coming to you, turn around, handball, give it to it. So simple. It's, it's, fu- it's funny what happens when you do the simple things and the small things right. And we'll, and we did most of that. I think that's one of the reasons why we actually got the win, but I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. Absolutely. And I, th- I think, um, as you said, the simple things, all those little things add up. It's like, it's like what they say about 1%ers. You do the 1%ers, you win games. It's, it's the same sort of thing. You, but you nail the basic skills and you win the most, more often than not win games, especially against a young team like Fremantle. Um, you, you, you just, you're only you know, shooting yourself in the foot if you're not nailing short handballs, nailing short kicks. And um, I think we, we set the record for the shortest kick ever. Levi Casbolt, uh, about a 48-centimetre kick to Ed Kerno, which might have been the kick of the night as well, might I add. Straight to, uh, straight to Kerno, which led to the inside 50... Um, yep. Take I think so. I think I think it was a kick where the ball drop was longer than the kick, because he, he threw it. He threw it about two meters in front of him. Managed to get a toe on it and go to Ed or whoever it was. I think, um, and get also lead to the to one of the goals in the last quarter. But that kick, oh man, I can't. But yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure I will have to get onto useless uh, AFL stats for for that one. If there's if there's any other kicks that are that can beat it, but. Like I just, I still can't get over that. Every time I think about it, just, just makes me laugh. Absolutely, and you know, talking about Dow, um, going back to Dow, I, I think I, it's just so interesting how the last two weeks it's been so good, so positive. Like we, we all have just been so excited by what he's produced, and you just wonder what is that thing that clicked for him? Was it the pressure of the external review? Did they come up? To, did the coaches come up to him and say, "Look, you're under the pump. You're in your. It's his fourth year now." Um, fourth i think fourth year um and you know realistically he hadn't shown much for a for a number three pick so they probably put him under the pump same probably went for someone like matt kennedy who's a rookie if he keeps playing at his level he's probably one of the best contract in the league because we're probably paying him peanuts so it's interesting you wonder what it was that triggered this improvement even williamson coming in i thought williamson was he didn't set the world on fire but he did his job so well you know, he defended well. He was great using he, on. His, he just used his kick for what it's good for, and that is just just relieve pressure and get the ball forward. And it was fantastic to see. Yeah, and he didn't lose it. He didn't do anything stupid. Didn't he? Actually, had one really good kick inside fifty. I think Mackay just dropped it, but that's what he was like in the team for as well. He has, does have a good kick, and when he uses it, it can be very beneficial to the side. But yeah, he didn't really waste the ball when he had it. Like especially when what usually would cost us, where he'd lose it in the back fifty or in the back half, and that to that turnover there and and goal so yeah there wasn't much of that from Williamson and it was it was great to see because I've I've always been a big fan of him especially everyone I think was wrapped with his first year before he got injured so everyone just wants to see that back again but only time will tell yeah absolutely I mean I was a huge Williamson fan I was very vocal about it on the podcast uh definitely last year and at the start of this year I really wanted to stick by him and then he just sort of let me down um, with his performances, and I, I, I sort of lost a bit of faith. But, and I was co- sort of thinking down the lines of, oh, maybe he's a, a, a delisting candidate down the line. But I mean, if he's going to be a, your twenty fourth, twenty fifth best player, come in when you need him to and play a role like he did, you certainly can't complain. That's for sure. But um, I want to talk about the first quarter because the first quarter was something that, much like we we discussed last week, JB, it's something we know we're capable of that we just haven't seen, and it's why the losses have been so hard to handle because we know what we're capable of. And I don't know what it is about the last week. Maybe it's just weaker oppositions, but we um we we're just we're hitting targets. We're going for Jack Martin. I think has been so important structurally for us going forward. I think he's providing a marking target, something that hasn't been there besides Harry Mackay really. Like. Like, Kaz Bolt hasn't been marking the ball inside 50. De Koning, he's basically, he's the full-time ruck now, so he's not down there enough. Silvani, he's not really a marking target. He more, he more marks up on the wings and he's that link-up player. His work rate is phenomenal and he is able to get in forward. But in terms of a marking target, take a bit of pressure off Harry. We saw Marden a few times. We saw it last week too, just getting in the spot, providing difference. Owies, bets, getting free, it's... It's structurally just so much better to watch. I, I, I mean, what, what do you think, Tass? Um, I think the kicking into the 50 has been a lot better recently as well. And that's 
a flow-on effect of people presenting in the right places. But I think that the form of the midfield going into the 50 has coincided with, and I don't mean to pot the bloke, but has coincided with the departure of our midfield coach and the elevation of Luke Power from development into midfield. Um, I reckon that's got something to do with it. Even just, I don't know if Luke Powell's a good coach or not, but I think sometimes just hearing a different voice allows you the opportunity to perform better and, you know, really want to play for the person, your line coach. Because let's be honest, that's the person you probably have the most contact with. Um, but yeah, look, I, it's, it's a combination of better kicking into the 50. I mean, our disposal efficiency in the first quarter was at 80%. I mean, well, that, that's, that's above elite for AFL standard. I mean, I was looking at the disposal efficiency statistics for the whole game at the end, and we had, I think we had 10 players above 90% or something like that, above 85%, I think it was. It was some ridiculous thing. It just shows. So when you kick accurately and you hit targets and you have options, it just all comes together. So, I mean, like, I know we weren't on top of the game for the whole the whole thing and we didn't dominate, but it just shows that accuracy of disposal really goes a long way to helping you win the game. And I think that's really the difference of the past two weeks is that we've been using the ball a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as we've mentioned, Dow and Kennedy, those those are the two obvious big improvers over the past, sort of since the bye, I guess, that first week out. Um, wasn't pretty, but I mean, really since the bye, that's been the big difference is that those, those two are the standouts. The midfield as a whole has improved. I think Cripps, unfortunately, you know, he's been hurt himself and he's injured at the moment. But even before then, I think he was sort of starting to play a bit better. Walsh is back into that, you know, form that he was in the first six weeks. Um, Zach Williams obviously didn't play last week, but he, he's probably been playing his best games for Carlton. So that, uh, that's probably a big factor into why we're finding these targets. It's those guys. It's not necessarily the forwards getting in the right spots, which is a big factor. But again, we're hitting them. We're actually hitting them, which is so. It sounds so dumb that we're getting so excited about hitting a target, but God, it's been a while. But um, yeah, I think it's just great and. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think, JB? Do you think it's, it's a structural thing? Do you, do you agree with Tass about how it might be a coaching change? I know you, you, you had some, some thoughts about um, our former midfield coach, but what, what, do, you, do you agree? Yeah, um, obviously we won't know until and we, don't, we won't really know. Obviously, yeah, we're not um, experts, but um, but yeah, a structural sometimes that yeah that 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 new voice can be very important, and I think that would have um certainly helped, but. I think as well, Crips, and that's more, I think, more in terms of the roles of each other. They're more playing for each other, I feel. They're doing the things that they need to do and not worrying about doing everything, like I said, with Crips or or some other players where they do too much. They're playing for each other. They look like they're playing a bit more for each other and playing just their role, which is which is great to see. And I think um, that's that's important as well. But... Um, but yeah, it's it's great to see them actually actually play well. And it's good to see Walsh. He was on Fife for a lot of the a fair bit of the night too, which was so it wasn't like he was up against some someone trying in a inadequate run with role. He was up against one of the best. Absolutely, it's it's just good to see guys winning the one on one contests. You know, their one on one battles and that. I thought um I thought defensively we were really solid most of the night. Um, I can't really um. I don't know what the word I want to use, but I can't really say that any of the defenders uh, were severely beaten. I thought, I'm, I'll tell you who I'm loving, and I said it last week to you, I'm, I'm loving Stocker. Oh, he's exciting me so much. Um, I think I think the thing that Stocker has brought to the, the team is just a bit of mongrel, a bit of courage. You know, he's not like Cottrell when I say mongrel, where he's just an absolute hothead. But you saw him, he went back with the flight against Tex. Who the hell does that? No one wants to do that. I can't. I can't pick, think of many Carlton players besides like Walsh or Cripps that would, in their right mind, knowing that Tex is coming in full steam ahead, just putting your body on line. And he was sore. Gets up, goes again. He was backing up his teammates when they got knocked over. He, he did it last week. He's the one that started that whole melee after Fogarty smashed um, Weedering. He was the first one there. So, oh, and, and not only is he doing all those team things, he's he's just. He's becoming a very good distributor from the back line too. And he's, you know, I think he's, unlike those first sort of three, four rounds where he's in the team playing as a deep back pocket, he's now someone we're looking to get the ball to as much as we can. And we're seeing why he was such a high draft pick and such a big talent. I, I can I can see a lot of um, leadership traits 
in Liam Stocker, just, just by the way in which he puts his body on the line. He's always up to back up his teammates. He's always, you know, his, his, his distribution is first rate. And, you know, he's, he's just, he seems like a confidence player. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's confident in his ability. And he doesn't have to get 150 touches a game. Like, he, I think he had 13 or something on the weekend. But that's okay. The kid's young. He's played six games or whatever he's played. And um, it, there's a lot of good, solid signs there. There's no, there's nothing there that you, like, worry about. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't give the ball away. He doesn't, you know, doesn't do stupid things. Like, he always, he plays at the limit, but he knows where the limit is and he knows when not to cross it. And that's not, that's something we haven't had for a while. Like, we, we've had players that have been, you know, tough and, and gone and got into trouble and stuff. Like, Jared Waite was suspended every second week. But the difference between in this in this part of the the game I'm talking about, the difference between Stocker and Jared Wade is Stocker knows where the line is. I'm happy. To, I'm happy for and if he's happy to get a fine every week, then that's fine. Go do that. Like we need we need players like that. Um, just don't get suspended. And I think Liam knows that line. So that that's a really good on that front. And and like like you said, Luke, and I, we've said it week in week out. I, I I personally think he's one of, if not the best kick in the team. Um, in terms of accuracy, maybe second to Samo, um, but wow, he, yeah, he's he's going to be a really really good player, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings next year. It's interesting how there were the rumours uh, sort of circulating la- at the sort of the start of last year and throughout last year when Stocker, you know, leaving the hub, and then early this year, um, I don't know, there were just weird rumours going around about Stocker and how you know he didn't get along with many people at the club sort of the players thought he was a bit of an idiot or whatever it was. And you, look, we'll never know what the go was with that, but it almost looks, if that was the case, which I'd like to think it wasn't, um, he's certainly doing the right sort of things to earn the respect of his teammates again, absolutely. And as you said, the fact that they're looking towards him, he's such an elite kick in our team. And as you said, he knows that line. He doesn't cross the line. He does what he knows. He, he only does what he knows he can do. Um, it's just so good to see. And I think about um, the team at the start of the year, uh, sort of for round one, and I compare it to what we've got now. And I've got, there's two players in my mind who I just look at and I'm thinking, these are two guys I didn't even consider for the best 22 come year's end, yet I'm so glad they're there. It's Stocker and Owies. These two guys who just come in, and that's what you need. They're not guys that are setting the world on fire, but they're just there doing their role really well, like Owies. He's continuing to just perform well. He hasn't had a down game, I don't think, realistically. And as we said, we were expecting it. You know, after those sort of first three, four weeks, you, you usually have that decline. He might have had one down game, but realistically, it wasn't a bad game. And I think, good on him, you know. He's a mature ager, took his chance. It's something we've needed, you know. Kennedy started to do it again. I know he's a bit of a different case because he's been in and out, in and out. But he's doing it now. I, we can't drop Kennedy. There's no way. You know, the guys who are getting dropped now, if there's going to be guys getting dropped, are guys like Jack Nunes. That's who you want to get dropped. You don't want you don't want these young guys who have all the potential in the world to get dropped. Yeah, it's just been... It's what... It's what it's a makeup of a great team is their players do their job. They do their role. They play for their team. And it's good to see that we've actually got some players that are just doing doing just that. They're not... And while it might not be special or glamorous, they're, they're doing their roles and, they're, and everything they're doing is helping the team. And always is doing that, especially. He kicks his one, maybe two goals, three if he's... And he puts that pressure on, puts the tackles on, um, and he's doing well. Um, Stocker, as, as well as... As good as he's playing, I just can't stand seeing him in the back pocket. But um, if... but And he's... One thing I want, did want to say as well, as well, his tackles are hard. See, on five, put him into the ground. Like, five's not small. Five's not... He's a big, he's a big boy. Five is one of the most naturally gifted midfielders in our league yeah he's lost a bit of weight I think since his injuries but realistically he's known for being so strong in the hips and just not going down he's like Cripps you can't tackle him usually and he's being and the aggression and it was good to see the aggression from I think it was Kennedy as well those in those in the tackles not just tackling because you have to tackling because you you want to you want them to for the for, yeah more for a purpose you the best it sounds you don't want to hurt him not hurt them but at least make them feel it as well which is which was um It'd be better to see there was a bit more aggression. Obviously, sometimes I think there are some cases which can be improved in some th- some of those tackles. They weren't, they still weren't bare being uh, stuck. But um, 
at least some of them were. It was it was an improvement, and I think as all Carlton fans know, we're always after that improvement. As even if it probably gets us, I guess nowhere. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I want to um I want to bring something up. I brought it up last week, and I, I sort of made an effort to keep an eye out of an eye out for it. Uh, this game against the Dockers, and we sort of touched on it, uh, JB, but we didn't really discuss it in detail because we wanted a bit more info. But the whole starting behind the plays at the centre bounce situation that I noticed in the game against uh, Adelaide. So I brought it up. I don't know if you heard this, task, but what I noticed was the three midfielders that start at the centre bounces are all standing behind their direct opponent. So essentially, if the ball comes to ground, that opposition player is going to get the ball first. Now, first quarter, we were all over them. They didn't touch it. Second quarter onwards, we could. I felt like we barely got a clearance. I, I don't know what what it was, but we couldn't get a clearance. And I want to know, do you think that might have been another factor? Because realistically, I don't think we've been as good as, of a clearance team as we should be. You know, we've got we've, the way our midfield works, we've got a different type of player in, against, in each matchup. We've got the Crips, the big body, Dow, the fast break, Walsh, the class, our, that sort of first handball out player. We've got all those guys, and yet we, we don't do well against, like, Frio. You know, Mundy, Mundy's great, fantastic player, but he's old. Fife, he wasn't in, I don't think he was in as many center bounces as he usually would be. Brayshaw, he's tiny. You know, Chera, he's not that big. Sarong, tiny. And we're not winning these center bounce clearances. What, what do you think, JB? Especially on the clearances, especially when it's like so important. We saw we, we'd, in any game, we'd, we'd lose control if we weren't winning the clearances. It was very hard for us to go from D50 to front 50 easily. And we need, we had to almost rely on the clearances to get the game plan and take control. Um, yeah, uh, it was it's an interesting tactic. Obviously, we have to keep an eye on it more often and get I'll probably get more stats to to back it up and and whatnot. But I just it was probably more just down to just Sean Sean Darcy. Just he had one of the a game of his life. He he maybe not for the first quarter, but second, third, and when Freya really started to get their dominance in the in the contest and in the clearances, it was more just down to him. He, he dominated and. Deconic did as best as he could, but I think when you're up against him, he's huge, big fella. Even even Cripps was struggling, and he usually does, I guess, pretty well against people even a bit bigger than him. But Sean Darcy was just that much bigger, more physical. Deconic couldn't deal with it either, and um, it was actually important from Teague, I guess, to actually put Carsbold in, as weird as it sounds, to put him in the fourth quarter because he was a bit more physical and at least halved most of the more of the contest so um yeah the midfield it's an interesting one especially considering how important it is to to Carlton and how they play I think it's a it's more of a it's I'm I think I'm right in saying let me get this out in English um I think I'm right in saying that you're probably referring to the center clearances rather than more than the stoppage clearances yeah because I think we split stoppage clearances pretty well um especially with Dowie burst out of those stoppages very very often um it's an interesting thing you bring up because I haven't personally taken notice of it. Um, and to be honest, I was listening to you guys last week while I was working, so the concentration levels were somewhere else. Um, <laughs> JB is slightly offended by that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but that it, I think it's something, it's a bit of a watch this space because if they continually do it, then it's probably more than likely a directive. Um, and whether that's the smartest directive, I don't know. But um, then again, I've never played the game in any sort of shape or form competitively so I don't know how the tactics of football work but um, yeah look it seems a bit odd I don't really know why they would specifically do that unless the directive to declining is to tap it outside the big circle and that's why um, the players are on the back of their opponents rather than in front because Deconing has the ability to actually you know force a good hit out so yeah it's an interesting point you bring up I didn't, didn't even notice that and I'll definitely be watching for it against Geelong yeah I think it's definitely an, uh, another keep watching because it's been two weeks in a row now I've noticed that we're all three of them behind their man so if that ball does drop we look a bit shaky and, and you know there were so many times as you said it depends on the situation you know there were times in that late third quarter fourth quarter where you know there's a centre bounce and you're just like oh we just need to get the clearance to keep the pressure off us and they just get it straight away. And I, in my head, because because it's something I've noticed, I'm like, that's the reason. But 
I think it's another thing. We just got to keep watching because I admittedly I might need to watch the first quarter back to see if it was happening because we dominated the first quarter. There were so many times where we just ran ran away with the ball, but um, yeah, definitely an interesting one. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to sort of just see over the next few weeks if it keeps happening because if it is, it's definitely a directive. I can't imagine players are happily taking the back position every time. It's a bit of an odd one. Um. I want to raise a question, and that is, do you think now that we've got two wins on the trot, do you make changes for poor performances, or do you want to keep a winning team going? Because obviously wins have been hard to come by. Obviously, Zach Williams will be in, and I think he's a must-have. I think he's been really good the last few games he's played. But do you you think you make changes, JB? I think, yeah, it's... It's a tough one, obviously. It's down to the coaches and and the team match committee, but um, I think so. I think you still have to, if there's poor performances, or um or injury, and there were at least there, there weren't injuries, but um, I feel like Williams would definitely come in. I think he just probably come in for Williamson, and Williamson might get unlucky as a sub, but or even potentially Nunes because he didn't do that much either. But um, but yeah, as much as you want to keep it going you still have to I think make certain some changes obviously not wholesale changes but at least one or two if there's poor performance or injury but there weren't really much there wasn't really much of that either or against Frio so um the only yeah the only one in is Williams and I'd say no as but except I get I'd say except for Williams I think he's got he's got to come in yeah I'm the same um if I'm perfectly honest who are you going to bring in I mean, who are you bringing in? There's no, there's no one else other than Williams to bring in. I mean, I've, I mean, I, I've, I've watched the past two weeks of VFL, and I have to say that there is no one that is banging the door down. I mean, you can talk Jack Carroll, you can talk Brody Kemp, but they're both not ready. Let's be honest. And if you think they are, then I don't know what football you're watching. Um, you know, they're still, you know, they're still 15 years old. Like, come on, be realistic. Um, yeah, there's no one banging the door down, so you've got to keep keep it the same. Williams comes in, whether that's Nunes, Williamson, um, or Cassie comes out, I don't know, but we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. You don't need to change too much, I don't think. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think you keep this winning team going. Um, I don't know who would come in. I think Cottrell's obviously, he was the sub. He's, he's a candidate. Then obviously Williams comes in for sure. I thought Kemp. I was I was actually kind of thinking Kemp might have been the one to come in for Doherty when I heard about the injury, just because I think they can play a similar game. But I think it was a wise decision bringing in Williamson. I know his form hasn't been fantastic in the VFL, but I think we just needed someone with, with a bit more experience, uh, someone who we know what we're going to get with with him. You know, Kemp still very early days with him. We don't want to rush him back because um, realistically, he's such a big long term prospect for the club. He's very he's very highly rated internally, I think. So we don't want to risk a player of his quality at such a young age. But um, yeah, oh, I'm just excited. I was just thinking um, as well, like this Doherty injury that sort of came out of nowhere. It's obviously really disappointing because I thought he'd been playing really well. Um, like his form had really picked up. You know, I think a lot of players' form picked up at the sort of a similar time, and I thought he was a big part of that sort of I think he moved back onto the half back line a bit playing that natural role for him but him getting injured I think it's the perfect thing for someone like Samo or Stocker to just take advantage of you know they get to work into his position now get the ball more and go for it I I love seeing Samo get his hands on the footy more I didn't think he had a great game uh, this week but against Adelaide obviously he was really good I thought he was still solid uh, this week but it's just good to see him getting his hands on the footy. And, you know, we, we, I was watching the game with you, JB, and we were saying, you know, we just need to, you know, get some short kicks, just slow it down. And then who, who popped up? Samo. We were like, yep, there we go. A nice, accurate short kick that we can rely on. And, you know, I don't, he doesn't need to do much more. Like, he's just got to, if we can get his hands on the on the ball and just use it smart in the way that we know he can, it's, it's just so handy. And, again, that's another player who's come in, playing his role really well. Yeah, um, Samo definitely had some he had some great moments. Like in the first quarter, he had that nice sidestep, had a few good kicks where it broke the lines. Had a, I think he had a mark or two that actually pretty important. But yeah, he had the one moment on the near side 
where he just beat one player and stood still and got tackled. I was very lucky to to get rid of it. But um, yeah, he's he's good with the was it what did he do what did he do with Brereton? Say the small chip acceptance. Yeah, no, the, yeah. So apparently, a, a, an uncontested mark from a from just a sort of a chip around the back is now a short chip acceptance, and so. Um, the players apparently were not getting just short chip acceptances; they were getting good, good marks. Whatever the yeah, hell that um, means. Dermot Brereton. Before before you go, Dermot Brereton. Uh, I mean, I find him quite funny when I listen to him commentating like a, a Gold Coast or a North Melbourne game, because realistically, I think he is the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the commentators. Which is no, I mean, that's it's actually a really big disrespect. I just realised who the competition is, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I find him funny because he always gets those games because realistically, they're the worst teams in the league, Gold Coast and North. And some of the stuff he says in those games, I find really funny because I don't really care about the game too much. But I was ready to like throw a shoe at the TV listening to some of the stuff he came out with. Short chip acceptances. What I was, I was, I was going to bring it up for my not so very good this week, but I brought it up now. So there you go. Just... um. But yeah, that's what yeah he's he's good at getting Freo to give him the short chip acceptances. Um, yeah, because he, his short kicks is and short like that medium kick is can break lines as well. It can hit that he can hit that inside forty five probably very well. But um, just just before we move on, just before we move on, can can you guys please describe to me what a short chip acceptance is? Is it is it acceptance by the opposition that it's a short kick or is it acceptance as in I've accepted the mark and that, that's my acceptance it's, it's accepting an uncontested mark so basically basically when uh, Samo will pass the ball back to Lockie Plowman in the back pocket and then Lockie Plowman passes it back to Jacob Weedering at full back and then he passes it to uh, Adam Sard in the other back pocket They're all these short. are all short chip acceptances now on okay so We'll get Luffy out on it and champion data, and next year we'll have a stat for short chip acceptances. <laughs> Percentage of, yeah, it was very weird hearing that. But Samo, yeah, Samo against Frio had some had some he had some very good moments, but just needs to, I guess, get more of him in, and build him into a into a better performance. So um, but it's good that he can build upon and actually play a bit more in his position because he wouldn't be playing. You can see why he wasn't playing that well in back in the back pocket because when the games, I guess. When he's right in the thick of it, he, he thrives a bit more. Not when he's got to defend or, or use the ball in the back pocket. He, it's a bit more tough for him. But obviously, that makes sense. You're not used to playing there. so um. But yeah, Samo definitely got room to improve. But it was good to see him just get some more moments. So, we're now in a very interesting situation where we're 13th. We're six points out of the eight. And we've got a, we've got a decent enough percentage of 93%, which... Considering we're what are we six and nine or six and nine now? It's considering we're six and nine, you know, ninety three percent isn't terrible. So my my question is, and I can't believe I'm actually able to pose this question. We're fighting for finals now, aren't we? Do you think we're fighting for finals? And realistically, do you think it's an actual possibility that we make it? Well, I mean, we're a game. Tass is still losing at the small chip acceptances. Look at you, done. Look at you, under me. Maybe a Korean Colony is better for you, but um. But um, yeah, we're, we're six points. That's two games, two or two wins. Obviously, you can't, you're not going to fight for a draw. Um, yeah, we're within it. We're a game away. Well, like, it's it's a it's a possibility, and why not? Obviously, you're going to play your best anyway. At least there might be a another incentive for the boys to play well. They're not because if um they might think their season's over, you might get some pretty uh horrid performances come the end of the season. So um, yeah, I'd say why not, especially considering. The next four games, which I think would be very important in deciding or setting up that, when we've got, I think, Geelong next week, which will be tough, but the next three, I feel, are all very, very winnable. I mean, we've got, is it is Collingwood, who I think in round two we should have beaten, based on how what we think the team should be. Um, then North, but I'm actually not hanging my hat on that one yet, and St. And St. Kilda. Three out of those four, I feel, are very, very winnable, and that would actually set us up in good stead for for a finals run with um with the other next three games. So um I'd say why not go for it if it's within reach and six points definitely is within that reach. It's within reach, but the Carlton supporter in me says I know exactly what's gonna happen. Who's eighth now? It's, I, G- I it's, think G- it's GWS. It's GWS. 
I, 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 I can see what's going to happen, right? We have GWS in round 23, I believe. 22 or 23. I think they're the last. Yeah, they're the last game. Yeah, I can see what's going to happen. We're going to win three out of the next four. And we're going to put ourselves in a position to take GWS's spot in the finals. It's going to come to the last game and we're not going to do it. I can, I can see, Car- I can see it What are you saying? Levi Carswell's going to kick 10? Oh, no, I have said that. <laughs> I can see it happening. So you say that. You, you think we'll, we'll, we'll bottle it. I think in that situation, we're kind of team who could th- really thrive. I really think young team, young players who, if we're going to be on this, if we're going to put ourselves in that, in that position, we're going to be winning games. So they're going to be high on confidence. We've got fan base who's going to be going nuts if we can get ourselves into that position. We've got the best fan base in the league when we're up and about. Stuff all these Richmond hooligans. Piss off. You're now ninth. P- go home. We're the, we are the best fan base when our team is up and about. I don't, I don't, have, I don't doubt that. I agree. All. So, if we get in that position, young team, good momentum, players confident, fans going nuts. I think we smashed GWS. GWS are no and good, mate. I don't trust them, mate. <laughs> well, they lost to Hawthorne and then beat Melbourne. So, you, if we get the right GWS on the day, there's definitely a chance. But... um. Forget the right but GWS. It's about getting the right but, Carlton. But mate. then again, but then again, I feel I don't know. I'm not too sure if there's actually much um much fact ba- backing this opinion. But um, I feel like we do play a bit better under pressure when in, in the bigger games because I feel like we will lose the easier games, like the or almost drop the easier games. Obviously, like we saw last year with Adelaide, almost dropped it with North, and a couple of Hawthorne last more last year. But just the dropping the easier games, the West Coast one this year as well. There was a few that I feel where there's no pressure, we don't play as well. And I feel like under pressure and the bigger games, the bigger the stage, I feel like we might do a bit better. Especially like we saw against Richmond, we actually played pretty well. And there are other games that were like that. I think Port last year as well, we were actually pretty unlucky not to win. But um, I feel, yeah, it's that GWS game. I thought it might have been around 21 or 22. But seeing it as around 23 is very interesting. But um, yeah, especially after West Coast. Um, lost as well they're out so taking that spot it's going to be a very very interesting game at Marvel too so we'll see how that goes but I'm all for one very excited for the for the possi- for the mere possibility and it's, it's very surprising too because we all thought this season was pretty much done and dusted with the was it the GWS loss really I think it was about the time we all thought nah nah pack it up play the kids go home but um, but yeah I, I for one yeah can't wait now yeah, see, I'm in this position now. I, I cannot believe we're having this conversation given how poor the first half of the year was. But we're in a position where it's possible for us to make finals. We've got, as before last weekend, we had the 17th hardest draw in the league, which meant we had the second easiest run for the rest of the year. Second easiest run. We're only six points behind. If we've got the second easiest run in the AFL for the rest of the year and we're only six points behind... You, you, if you don't make finals, in a way, it's a bit of a failure. From even from this point, that's such a good, such a good opportunity. You know, we've got good matchups. It's it's actually there for the taking, which is a joke, because we've been so poor for most of the season. But it's there still. We've played all our hard games already. This is the thing. We knew this coming in, but I don't. I didn't think we expected to be. Or one or two left, yeah. But I don't think we expected to be in the position we were in right now. I think we expected to be a lot higher than what we are right now. Um, and with that run home, like we thought, all right, with this run home, we've cemented our spot in the eight. If you asked me after um, after we were two and two, I was thinking, okay, we've hit our mojo now and um, you know we'll, we'll be in the eight consistently and it, that run home will really help us cement that spot rather than really help us push it in, which is what it's going to do now. And I mean, I, I, I sort of, I, I mean... The Carlton supporter, the PTSD in me, says that um, we're gonna we're gonna bottle it at the last minute. But having said that, all the tools are at our disposal. Like it's it's within our control. Everything that is lined up are games that we would be considered the favourite, regardless, except for maybe Geelong and um, and Port. Yeah, um, but the rest of them, we we are the better team. And we know that we are because we've shown what our best football looks like. So really, it's up to us. It's there for the taking again. And by no fault of our own are we in this position because we have been absolutely terrible for the past month. Well, 
I say past month, two weeks good, month before that terrible. Um, so really, there's no, there's no excuse. Like, I, I, and half of, half of me as I'm still split. Half of me says we're going to bottle it, but half of me says there's no excuse. We shouldn't bottle this because our best football is really good. I was going to say, especially GWS is the last round, and the week before that's Port at home. I think it's at the G. No, no, no. It's, it's away, away. Sorry, it's away. But you've got two big games against what we think is two. They're actually very decent teams. Port will probably be top four. There's a lot of factors that they can use to their benefit. It can also be negative, be negatives, but it can also use towards their benefit, having two big games against good opposition potentially. And you win that GWS game with the finals. You've got, you're coming off that, building momentum to at least actually have a good finals performance. Obviously not saying win the flag. Let's be reasonable. Maybe a prelim. But, um... <laughs> but, um, at least to have, it, to have a good showing in the finals, whether that's at least a good performance against or even, dare I say it, a finals win. But um, it's there's a lot that can go in our favour. Obviously, like Tass said, and I think we've all said a million times, it's it's on, it's on the board, it's on the players to play and to take it. And they've I think they've said it themselves. It's up to them because they know they can. It's just when the it's they're they're picking and choosing what to do it at the moment. And when they if they can pick and choose to do it all the time, they'll, they'll be a better team for it. So. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that can go in our favour as well. But yeah, obviously it's up to the boys. I, I can already see it, guys. I can see it. We're going to get to round 23. Like you said, that GWS game is going to be the be-all and end-all. Winner, winner gets eighth. You know who's going to have the game of his career? Charlie Kerno. Oh. He's going to be back, my boy. He's, there's talks that he's... Big call. There's talks that he's going to be back uh, in, in the VFL this week. Whether that happens or not, we'll wait and see. Definitely don't rush him back. That's that's all I'll say. We don't want to get him hurt again. However, that could be the kickstart of what is this champion young Carlton team. I'm getting so excited, boys. My, I'm getting I'm getting rosy red cheeks right now. Like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. I need to, I need to settle down. But yeah, like, oh, I, I just it's amazing. Two wins against two shit teams, and I'm I'm, I'm so excited. What's going it's, it, on? It's a Disney. It's a fucking. It's a Disneyland Hollywood fairy tale, this mate. We're setting it up. We've we've written the script. It's just it just needs to be put into action and filmed, directed by uh, none other than Martin Scorsese. Just light him up and execute this show-stopping film. Yeah, for one big tragedy, <laughs> it was probably going to be in the end. Of, um, yeah, it was obviously Charlie Kerner may potentially couldn't could it be another number eight? That is the hero, like was um last time against Port Adelaide. For in that race of finals, you never know. Obviously, we've got to get there first, and we're all, all this talk. We're probably going to drop easy games like last year, and and um, need to beat the better teams to have any tr- any shot like um like last year. But um, yeah, how how funny it is. You get all confident, and at least at least your your mind's in a place where it can think of these things. Not which is which. I mean, maybe so, there's something wrong with us subconsciously. But hey, we're all Carlton fans. There's probably got to all be something wrong with us. We're all got to stick with this team for so long. Anyone in their right mind will probably jump off, but um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. You never know, but whatever happens, there'll be two winners at the G anyway. If, if Essendon were to do anything, so it's not only that we'd be playing finals; it's that Essendon won't be. <laughs> it's that Essendon wouldn't be because we would have knocked them out. Oh, it's it's oh, you're getting me all uh all hyper now, mate. It's it's. it's we're going to be let down, but you're getting me all over. <laughs> oh, man, I'm getting giddy, but we got to move on. All right, we're going to go through the votes. Um, I'll kick us off. I've given three to Jacob Weedering. I thought, given the, the size difference he had on Lob, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I think he won the battle, absolutely. Lob kicked one really nice goal from the pocket. Other than that, Weedering smashed him, um, hands down, and I think he's um, he's been very underappreciated in our votes, I think, this year, Weedering, but... He's again just having another really, really great year, um, continuing to be, you know, a future multiple All Australian if he doesn't get st- stitched up uh, every year like he had, did last. But um, obviously, the Carlton supporter in me says that. Um, I gave two to Paddy Dow, uh, self-explanatory. We've spoken about him, and my one is a bit different. Um, but I thought this player was just doing their role really well, putting on pressure when needed. And it was Eddie Betts. I think. Um, he played really well, and I, I haven't heard much people, many people giving him much love. But I just thought, from what I saw, I thought he played his role perfectly, and I think he's been instrumental in the forward line for us alongside Owies. 
Um, oh, one on weedering the All-Australian. I think Paddy Dangerfield's played, I think, his five games, so he's going to slide in right into the fullback just to get his All-Australian jacket again. But um, my 3 to one obviously three, was weedering, yeah, immense, especially in that fourth quarter. He had that one, one arm grabber. Oh, that's, that was fantastic. Two, um, Jack Silvani. I, I love this game. He did well to start it off well with a few goals and with a goal, he ended up kicking two, but one early. And then that fourth quarter is immense, just getting from contest to contest when um when Mackay and De Koning were on the bench. Um, my num my and my one vote very very controversial I think, but I think why not? Um, Levi Casbolt, I gave the one vote and um, Tassel's Tassel's looking at me like like I've um lost my mind. But in in the fourth quarter when he went went into the ruck a bit more and he's shaking his head, it really really helped us and helped curb that dominance of Sean Darcy and. And he also had the, I think he'll get the record for the longest um ball drop at um. Sorry, you, you know you know Sean Darcy was on, stuck on the bench for about a good five six minutes in the last quarter. That might have been why he was doing something. Yeah, but I, I feel like why not give it to Casbolt? He still he had, he had a few good contested marks as well. So, and why not make the? I think we've got. I think I I I maybe for one for at least a part of me says it may be getting a bit sick of getting three votes to, three votes to Walsh every week, but um. I figured, why not give it to give it to people that, that they stood up in in important stages of the match and helped us win the game. How much did you pay for that bag, mate? Jesus. <laughs> oh, sorry, which bag? <laughs> Fucking hell. Which one? What have you been taking? Oh, what have you me. been taking? Nothing. What's 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 Carlton, the, what's the job of it, Levi Caswell? It's, it's 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 a new one called Calm Delusion. <laughs> what's the job yeah. of Levi Caswell? Don't get in people's way, and he did that to take marks and. Get the ball to ground, and that and and that's his job. And he didn't couldn't even do that. He did it for five minutes in the last quarter. Yep, and it helped us win the game, I believe. But I, I figured, why not give him the start? Get a bit of controversy, start start up, stir up some. Why not? Each to their own. Each to their own. Um, I went. Just keep it pretty simple. Weedering three. Dow two. Silvani one. Perfect. Um. So. <laughs> No, not Casbold JB. I can't believe you've actually said that. I thought I honestly thought he was probably our worst player on the ground, but let's let's not uh, go there. Um, we'll move on and we will uh, go to our. Do, do you guys have any not so very good? What were we, what were we going to call it? I can't remember what we were going to call it. The alarm bells. The alarm bells. Well, because my alarm bell was short chip acceptances, but um, that's already been spoken about. I don't want to bring that up again. So, what have you guys got? My one is to, and it's not, it is current related. Um, Fox Footy, they obviously we all know it's been heavy, heavily publicised. Sean Boyle played 400 games, got the most for Indigenous. Obviously, congratulations, congratulations to him. It's a remarkable achievement. Probably one of the last ones I think we'll see for quite some time, considering the the longevity he's had. When everyone thought he was done, when he got to Hawthorne, um, they showed the graphic of the Indigenous record games holder, Burgoyne. There was one missing, and I think it was very, arguably one of the best small forwards of the of the year of all time, Eddie Betts. His name wasn't there, and it's maybe a current conspiracy again. But um, to have that not there, it's it's just poor, very poor from Fox Footy. And the the, the worst thing about it is that that was brought to the attention of, um, like it got brought up straight away on social media the night on the Friday night. Uh, or even the Thursday night, or in the build-up to, anyway. People were going nuts, nuts saying, where the hell's Betts in that list? You know, he's played way more than a bunch of them. And then come Saturday night, because we obviously played at the same time at Hawthorne, there was the preview sort of for both. you think by Saturday night they could have fixed the error, and they didn't. They never fixed it. It was It's just, it's pathetic. You know, Eddie Betts, as you said, he's arguably the greatest small forward of our era, you know, him and Cyril are the clear standouts, in my opinion. And yet, and it's such a big Indigenous icon for the league. The amount of work he's done for Indigenous communities around Australia through his football has been incredible. And yet, they they still didn't fix it up. I don't know. I think it's a joke. There's that. But there's also the fact that they were doing it on AFL 360, which Eddie Betts is a part of, like, every second week. Like... Maybe not every second week, maybe once a month, but like, come on. Yeah, he's been on a few times. Yeah, it's not like we don't know who he is or he's played 40, 50 years ago and 
he's around. We, he's not just any random footballer. He's, he's Eddie Betts. He's Eddie. Your your bets your bets on him. That's nah, bad. Mate, he was my favorite. He was my favorite player growing hey, up. Luke, you you did you did have number nineteen on your back. I had, I was had. I actually had David Teague. I had Stephen Silvani first when I was young. I was about three or four. Obviously, he retired. I had to find someone new. It was actually a co- current coach and David Teague. I actually, had fifteen on the back. Went to Bryce Gibbs for a while. Actually, ended up getting Patrick Cripps's when he was number sixteen. That was the last jumper I bought. After it went to Billy Smets, and I thought, no chance I'm wearing this ever again. So um, but. Yeah, that was one. It's just I'm sure everyone else saw it, but and it and Luke's right. And to keep using the same graphic where it excluded him was was a joke because because I think maybe one time you can accept oh, I was a mistake, but to to keep using that graphic and keep making that same mistake is is pretty poor. And you can always count on Carlton fans to pick up on things that are against Carlton. Like that's that's something we don't let slide ever. So I'm glad I'm glad it got brought up, and I'm glad you said it because. I wasn't going to mention it on the on the podcast, but yeah, really poor. Do you have an alarm bell uh, test this week, or, or all smiles from you? Is it? Um, yeah, it was all smiles. I guess you could say my alarm bell was before the game when it occurred to me that I got to the ground and Elaney and Nathan Williamson were warming up. So that was my alarm bell. Don't know how that occurred, but um, turned out okay. So, so it's all right. But yeah, other than that, nothing. Yeah, JB just suggested one himself uh, under his breath and. He said, Taz, you should have given your alarm bell to JB for giving one vote to Casvold. <laughs> but, uh, Nothing like a bit of self-deprecating humour. We love it. <laughs> All right. So, obviously, we're, we've got Geelong uh, next week. The everything I think we've been confirmed for the MCG Saturday 4.35. Uh, so, Saturday afternoon, which I, I think is one of the best times you can have. I know it's sort of the twilight time, but it's still... Great time for, to watch footy. Um, and it's going to be a tough game. You know, Geelong, Geelong is Geelong at the end of the day. They are always going to be a challenge no matter who runs out for them. There's just something about them that's just always good. And we got a great win against them last year. Um, Eddie Betts with that brilliant tackle in the, in the, mid, in the middle. Um, I hope that... I ho- watch them not show that replay during the week. Just a, a little bit more of um, cutting Eddie out of the coverage... But um, I think oh, I, I, the, the wins have got me optimistic. I think we're going to do all right. I think, you know, Jeremy Cameron now injured out for about a month, I think is what they've come out with today. Um, you know, that's obviously puts a lot of pressure onto Hawkins. So that's, and obviously Hawkins is a big battle, but that's one player who between Weedering and Jones, I think they can take Hawkins, at least nullify him. You don't need to completely stop him, but nullify him because... Without Cameron in there, he's sort of the sole goal source. The rest of the goals they get are often those outside mids just running through, getting them. So it's going to be a big defensive job from a mid, uh, midfield this week if we're going to get up. Um, how, how are you feeling about the game, JB? Um, very interesting. Obviously optimistic. Beat, beat them last time. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years since we played them at the G as well. So 2011 since we played. Oh, we, oh, we, 20, we beat them by six goals that week, didn't we? I remember that one because we would have played him in a prelim had we not been robbed. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, for a long time since at the G as well. Obviously, had the last couple of years at GMHBA and rest at rest at Marvel. So um, obviously, Cameron's a big out. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, th- I feel like they might just put... They'll have Radigalia and Stanley and they might rotate. So still have to deal with the height. But in terms of ability, obviously, Jeremy Cameron's a bit of forward. So we're we get away with that one, but obviously they got Rowan, and they do have a couple of dangerous forwards that can turn it on any time, and we'll know if we're in for a bad one if I think Garrett Rowan starts kicking some because he's a, one of the biggest downhill skiers I think <laughs> there is. But um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think you're right on the on the midfield battle. It's going to be very very defensive, um, but especially with Cripps potentially being out as well, it's going to be going to be a tough one to swallow. But yeah, you're right. I think the wins have made us confident, and we all the more reason to feel like we actually can, why we can't win. We should at least be, and it should be on the boys to think they can win. And, and if they don't think they can, then I think we're stuffed. But it's going to be an interesting one for obviously yeah, first time with the G so for a while. So it's going to be good. Well, realistically, uh, it could be a straight a straight swap Williams for Cripps. I mean, I I, it, I think Cripps is very much doubtful this week, and honestly, this foot injury 
could be the blessing in disguise for him. I think he's needed a break all season. Everyone's been saying it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how we cope, cope without Cripps. You know, obviously the big body. Does that mean Kerno steps up and plays a bit more of an inside role? Um, that'll be interesting because Kerno, um, Kerno is getting on. Or will we see... Who, I'll, um, I'll just put this one out there. Will we see Liam Stocker or Samo play purely on ball? It'll be, uh, it'll be good to see uh, that, absolutely. And we might see even guys like Dow Kennedy just take more of a responsibility. Walsh, obviously, just doing his usual thing. But it's going to definitely need... Everyone's going to need to step up. If Cripps is out, everyone has to step up. Because I think Cripps, as much scrutiny as he cops... He's such a his role in the team is just so important, and he's not a player you can just replace. One more thing, I just realised. Um, and if everyone doesn't do it already, I'd be very, uh, um, very sad if no one boos Henderson every time he gets the ball. Um, left in, I guess, less than I guess, acrimonious circumstances, just had a sook at the end at the end of 2015, 14, and went all the way to Geelong. Um, it it. it as much as it hurt me, Rich, seeing Richmond win another flag, it was good to see Wacky Anderson not winning one. So, um, yeah, if everyone can, obviously, if you're listening, if everyone's listening, go on to the game on Saturday. Everyone just boo him as much as you can because I think we say we're a bit better than that when we talk about Essendon play, Essendon fans booing Adam Saad. But when it comes to, I think, a player who left in those kind of circumstances, I think all, why not? Obviously, I'm a bit I'm of a different opinion on Zach Tui because I feel like we're a bit... But that's another... For another, for another day, but um, yeah, everyone just boo Lockie Anderson, and hopefully Harry Mackay just takes him to, to the cleaners. I'm I'm really worried for this game in the sense that I think the way we match up against Geelong in terms of game style, I don't like I don't like it. I know you know Geelong uh, traditionally have always been a team because they've always been you know older players. They don't like uh, running all day. They like to you know just pass the ball around. Find that good inside fifty. You know it's very it's very methodical. Whereas Carlton, when we defend, we like to give up that chip kick. You know it's the it's the way we've played for years, and it's something we've discussed and something we really hate watching because it's so frustrating. And I just worry that Geelong is just gonna. I think Geelong is just gonna you know look to make those easy chip kicks because realistically we're not we're just not good at defending it. You know so we got to hopefully see something to. I guess dampen that sort of move forward for Geelong. So we're going to give them the short chip acceptances, are we? Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Should have tried to put that in every stage I can get, but yeah. But I feel there has been a bit of a defensive shift. I think we've been a bit more on the front foot, a bit more playing in front and trying to get trying to intercept, which is which is good to see. It's a change, trying something a bit different. Teague and Teague and the defensive coach, but um, yeah, I, I see what you mean with um with the different styles and they could just hit us on transition very, very easily because they do move the ball pretty well and they are, and and they might be able to switch it pretty easily because they do have good skills too. So, yeah, it it can worry me but at the same time, why not why not dare to, dare to dream? Yeah, and the, and the one, one last thing I will say is um, I, I think the key to winning this game, we've got to play, we've got to go inside 50 the way we're going inside 50 in that first quarter because they've got arguably one of the best intercept defenders in Tom Stewart who will happily snap up every single uh, just long bomb we put to Harry Mackay's head. You know, he he's he's a, a class above most defenders, Tom Stewart. I'd have him, he, in my opinion, he's probably the All-Australian fullback right now um, or halfback or he's one of those. He's in the All-Australian team for sure. And he, that's his whole game, just snapping up those those sort of those shit long high inside 50s and if we want to get Harry Mackay involved in the game we've got to give those short options if Jack Martin's going to be playing forward we need to look for him for those short options like we were in that first quarter like we were against Adelaide Owies, bets making their leads it's a, it's a bit we, we've got to hit our targets we've got to do what we did in that first quarter for four quarters because Geelong are the kind of team who when they put their foot on the pedal they get rid of a team within a quarter you saw what they did to Essendon on the weekend. I mean, that was a, yeah. I think it was a, how much? 26 point turnaround, maybe? Yeah. I think, something like that. And then oh, they hit the front and then they beat them by, yeah, and then they beat them by 36. So it was like a 50 point turnaround or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can see that they're cutthroat. So um, really need to 
hit that disposal efficiency that we hit on the weekend again. And it needs to continue throughout the whole game. One thing, yeah, with that game, one thing I'd like to say, interesting, like to see would actually would be pretty interesting, potentially like a Jack Silvani, like on a defensive role for the, I feel like he'd be the one that could actually do that on Tom Stewart and make him a bit more accountable and try and do something there and negate his influence because it's, because um we need to find some more tactics like that. We don't do that often enough. So that's one thing I actually, actually like to see. Yeah, I like that idea. I think that'd be good. I think Silvani is a perfect player in our forward line to play that role. So um, it's definitely an option. It's just a matter of implementing it for a full game. If it's working, you've got to make sure you stick with it and you keep up that intensity that it requires. Um, I'll go in with my prediction and... The, the the this optimism that we've been showing it's it's got me thinking silly i've got i've got the blues winning by three points A, another one where our hearts are going to be pumping real fast blood pressure high but um i think we're, i i i think we're winning i think this momentum is just going to carry over you know the, carlton carlton is the flavor of the month right now we're gonna we're gonna get the dub we're gonna win um yeah i think something must be in the water yeah around the areas um yeah, why not? Dare to, dare to dream, but feel like you can believe. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go a huge win, ten points. Um, it's it's def it's definitely gonna be close. Hopefully, we can just perform either way, even if we do lose. Hopefully, we can just perform for the four quarters because um, they'll obviously they'll be I think top four this year. So if you can play four quarters against a team like that, shouldn't be any reason as to why we can't beat anyone else around us. But um, and at least give the boys confidence that they can actually match it for most time so count by 10 I said we were going to win three of the next four games and this is going to be one of them because we're going to cock up St Kilda <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I'm backing us in here I reckon we can get the job done we're, we're, we're up and hold we've drunk the Carlton Kool-Aid or the Blue Aid whatever you want to call it and uh, we're going we're to put them to bed by 11 points yeah we've, we've drunk the spirit of Carlton I think it's a better way to put it but yeah something in the water we might just be the most delusional men in Melbourne. But hey, it's all for a good cause. All right. Oh, there's, sorry, there's a few I could, um, that could probably beat us. And I think it's a good 40,000, 50,000 members that Essendon have. I think they're pretty silly and all the media that go along with them. But that's, a, that's we could, I, we could uh, I guess, complain about that for another hour or two. So I'll leave it at that. Gee, you guys really don't like Essendon, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't either, to be honest. So, but we'll uh, we'll move on. We'll we'll wrap things up with our usual forgotten blue this week. JB is on duty, so he can't uh, continue the streak that he that he's on. Uh, folks at home, listen tight. Uh, JB is going to hit us with a big throwback here. So, take it away, mate. All right. Now this player. Um. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I've got the wrong one. Mate, you had one job. Come on. Hang on. I, he's, where's he gone? He's. Sorry, I've just lost Mate, it. Would you not just have the tab up? No, I had, the, I had the wrong. I, had, I actually had the I actually had the wrong player. I had I had Jeffrey Garlett out, and I wanted to see um. Uh, Jared Garlett. No, wrong one. <laughs> I've got the Jared Pickett. Nah, it's it's not a, it's not a, it's not a Garlett. Um. He, sorry. If he had Jeffrey Garlett, I think I know where he's going. <laughs> nah, it's this is you. You won't get there. He was born on the twenty fourth of August, nineteen eighty five. So um, I won't give away his where he's born because that'd I guess give it away. He was on the list between two thousand five and two thousand and eight, being culminating with rookie and senior being on the senior list as well. Asaki or helping. Oh, he's pulled it out of the he's, bag. He's got, he's got it. Out. Oh, when you said you, you don't want to say where he was, where he was born, I was like, oh, that's got to be something obscure. Oh, I was still, still a very good clue. Um, Re- yeah, read on, please. Osaki Halpin. So obviously the younger brother of Saul, of Satanta didn't manage to to play a game. Luke, so Luke's over the moon with that one. But um, yeah, he, he played twenty four Northern Bullands games. Played th- he actually played more games for the reserves of the reserves that he did for <laughs> that he did for Carlton or the reserves. Um, yeah, uh, it was 200 centimetres, so he's tall as Nick Cox, if you didn't know. Um, Esaki, who got called Zaki, obviously rookied in 2005. Um, yeah, usually um, 
it was it's a it was such a very calm thing how like we got there helpers. Usually when you get Irish players, you get players that have played Gaelic football because it's very similar. These guys played hurling, which is like a hockey. Um, go figure. Um, he actually yeah he had more he had more Guernsey numbers in games played actually. So um, he had the number forty five and then moved to thirty five. Um, well the Guern- it were thirty five for a year. I was he was yeah two hundred one centimeters, ninety five kilos. So it was a big boy. Obviously played thirty five games. Um, not for the senior side, obviously. Not for the senior side. I played. Oh yeah, that's a bit wrong. But um, but he played, yeah, more games for the Northern Reserves than the reserves. Um, so you're gonna produce any new stuff, or are you just gonna? Not much else, playing? really. He was a bit taller, taller and leaner, according to Boyzam. Had amazing, amazing agility and huge leap, and tried him everywhere apart from the bench, I think, which would have been his better um position. But um, yeah, I think he's playing around the local leagues now. Um, but yeah, obviously, well done to Luke for getting that. It was there, Saki help, and obviously you're probably not listening, so all the best. But um, but yeah, very well done as well to get it that early. Um, sorry, sorry, Dust. He was born in Bankstown, was he? Yeah, apparently. Hang on. There you go. Fijian Irish, but he was born in Bankstown. That's very odd. Well, either way, I, th- I might have ruined the fun there for this week's Forgotten Blue things. I got it so close. But by the sounds of it, you didn't have much of a clue to give uh, with the story because you just said the same thing about seven times over. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but why not? Make, make, trying to make it harder for you, that's all. It's been a bit easy for me, so I figured why not give you guys a challenge. It took you longer to get the tab open than it took for me to guess the <laughs> bloody name, mate. But anyway, if if any of you managed to get it quicker than me, please let us know because I, I I mean I think that was a pretty impressive uh, guess on my behalf, but um, I might just be tuning my own horn a bit. But <laughs> um, is there any any final words? Uh, oh, Tass, yes. Yep. Uh, not football. Well, actually, football related, but not game related. The unlucky Blues are now members of uh, Club of Ganoush. Just putting it out there from the Ian Prendercast. Go give those a listen. Shout it to Fab. We love you over here. Well, we love all three of you, to be honest, but we've uh, officially declared ourselves members of Club of Ganoush. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. Um, on that note, I think it's time to head off. I'm, I'm looking forward to this chat next week. I, I'm, as I said, we're all optimistic now, so hopefully we can um, be all smiles next week as well. I might, I might, just, I might be as rosy red-cheeked as I am right now. So, um, I might, not, might just be the heater, to be honest. It's a bit cold at the moment, so... You could be onto something there. See, he's not just all good looks. All right, and <laughs> until next week, guys. Go Blues. Go Blues.